We're going to talk tonight about the different types of prayer. In the New Testament, there's nine different types of prayer outlined. And to pray effectively, you have to know how to flow with those nine different types of prayer. And by the end of this series, you're going to really know how to do that. It's, it, it'll become so second nature to you. Remember, prayer is literally bringing heaven into your life, bringing God on the scene. So if you got your Bibles handy, open them up to Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 18, we're going to launch off here. We have to know the principles of prayer, the mechanics of how they work, and the heart and spirit of prayer in order to pray effectively. And remember, prayer, you're communing with God. It's just how you fellowship with him. It's how you talk to him. It's Smith Wigglesworth said this, I very rarely ever pray, you've heard me say this before, more than 30 minutes at a time. But I very rarely ever go more than 30 minutes without praying. Which means all throughout your day you're communing with God. And the Holy Spirit is the orchestrator. He orchestrates what prayer you pray, and he leads you right into it so that you're praying effectively. An effective prayer life, you know what, that's a 100% answer on prayer. That is the bar. That's where God wants you. This is not, I hope this happens, maybe it won't. There's no chance of that because when you pray effectively, you're praying the will of God, which all the answers to him are yes and amen. So let's look at this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, praying always with all prayer. Now the Amplified translation brings out the Greek meaning very clearly. It would read praying always with all manner of prayer. And we, we've learned, and we're going to really learn, in the New Testament, there are literally nine different manners or types of prayer listed. And seven of the nine have different rules. So we need to literally know the rules, how they, how they work, and everything so that we can pray effectively. It says, praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then Weymouth's translation brings out the Greek language very clearly. It says, in the Spirit, He's, he translated that stirred by the Spirit. Or in other words, to pray effectively, we pray all manner of prayer and supplication as we are stirred by the Holy Spirit to pray. He's the orchestrator. We don't just decide to pray. See, most Christians, they're not walking in the victory that God has for them because they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. They're being led by their feelings. And what happens is Satan will throw thoughts. A circumstance or a situation will happen and he will throw thoughts in your mind that will connect with feelings out of your flesh and they're designed to hook up together the thoughts and feelings that are contrary to the word of God and they're designed to influence you to take your eyes off of God, get your eyes on yourself. And there is no answer to prayer when you're feeling sorry for yourself. Did you hear me? Not a little bit. There's nothing God can do. What? You mean the God of heaven, the creator of everything? Yeah. 
He can't violate your will. I'm here to tell you there's a place in God where you never have to have a down day. Where when things happen in your life, you can never be moved by them again. Because if you're moved by your circumstances, it will be impossible for you to rise up as a child of God and do what he's called you to do and move your circumstances. You'll run around talking to everybody about your mountain instead of talking to your mountain about your God. So we pray all manner of prayer and supplication stirred by the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. This Greek word perseverance, it literally means persistency. So I'm very persistent at watching. Watching. When you walk with God, you'll always be watching. Who are you watching? Well, you're watching Jesus, which causes you to be very sensitive to how he's moving around you. So you actually become more sensitive to everything around you. Because you won't put up, if the enemy does anything, man, that's right in your face. No, 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 I'm not putting up with that. When you have your eyes on Jesus. When your eyes are off Jesus, you're full of yourself and you're dull spiritually. So this is, the Holy Spirit wants to keep you in a place. And watching thereunto with all perseverance or persistency and supplication for all saints. That's a little vague in the King James. It literally, in the literal meaning, it would read like this. And... Instead of saying, and supplication for all saints, it would read, and be ready to use this supplication for other saints. It'll cause you to be very watchful and to be ready to pray the prayer of supplication for your brothers and sisters. Well, a, a little glimpse, the prayer of supplication is one of the four categories of prayer, of your prayer life. There's four categories. So like a table that has four legs, there is four categories of, of prayer that you will build your life upon. One of them is supplication. That is literally the prayer. You pray it for others. You could also pray it for yourself that helps a believer lay hold of the plan of God for their life. So this is telling us that we're to watch and be ready to pray as we're stirred by the Spirit, not just for us, but for all saints. Isn't that cool? See, God made you not to be up to here with yourself. He made you to literally trust Him, put your eyes on Him, and, and seek Him first, and, and minister to others, and let Him just just pour into you because he's already provided it. That's the position where he gets everything over to you. The armor that is listed before this verse, from Ephesians 6.13 to Ephesians 6.17, we know as you study the armor, it's, it's literally revelation knowledge of God's word is the armor. And it is, it's literally prayer armor. The armor of God is designed to put you in a position now where you can pray. 
So when you go to prayer, you have to be, you have to have the armor of God on. You have to have revelation knowledge of his word. Why? Well, if you don't pray in line with his word, the Bible says he doesn't even hear you. Right? Oh God, please, can you get the devil out of my life? He doesn't hear that prayer. Why? Because he told you to get the devil out of your life. He already defeated him. Right? Oh Lord, you know, what am I going to do? I, I, I really, I'm hurting. I really need you to heal me. He doesn't hear that prayer. There's not one scripture in the Bible that says that he will heal you. Not one. There's a lot of them that says he's already healed you. And it's not a matter of him healing you now. It's a matter of you simply believing him and receiving your healing. See, there's, we've left up to God what he's left up to us, and it just doesn't work. So this is why we have to really get in the word of God and get the word in us so that we are ready and we can pray and we could commune with him. You know, God, and thank God this is true, he just does not line up with us. He doesn't look at, he doesn't look at Tony and go, okay, you know, he's really having a hard time. I think I'm just going to give him an exemption right now. I'm just going to bless him without him believing me. No, he, he doesn't do that. Right? It's a good thing he doesn't do that. Because if he did do that, now all of a sudden, if he did it once, I can no longer have any basis of faith. Because now he'd have to do it for everybody because he's not a respecter of persons. And it would violate his word, which means that's impossible because God can't violate his word. He won't lie. He can't lie. He won't change because he can't change. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this verse, Ephesians 6, 18, it shows you and I that our prayers, that literally our prayer lives are multifaceted. They're multifaceted. What I mean by that is there's nine different types of prayer that, that are used in different situations. You have a multifaceted prayer life. Which, which one is the most important? It's really like the nine gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Which one of those is the most important? The one that you need now. Right? So sometimes the prayer of faith is the most important. Sometimes the prayer of supplication is the most important. Other times the prayer of intercession might be the most important. We could go right down the line. There are different rules that apply to the different manners of prayer. So, knowing which prayer to pray is how you pray effectively, okay? And you know, we, we come to church, we get saved, and everybody thinks we should just by, by default know how to pray. But the reality of it is, and then we don't teach on it. So how in the world can anybody know how to pray if you don't teach on it, right? So let's look at this. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 1 through verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 5. As you're looking there, I'll say this. All the different manners of prayer 
must be all prayed in faith. All prayer is prayed in faith, even though not all prayer is the prayer of faith, right? You still pray the prayer of supplication. You still pray intercession. You pray in tongues in faith, all of these things, but it's not the prayer of faith. So we'll talk about that more later. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says this. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thank God. The grace of Almighty God is in Christ. Guess where you are? In Christ. Right? We know that because the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, dwells in your spirit. So you're in Christ. So you are literally right there. So, so God is telling us, be strong in the grace that is in Christ, which denotes that's your decision, right? So let's keep going with this. Now, if you look at the word of God elsewhere, it says we have access into this grace through faith. So we know that. Verse 2, and it says, And the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, Timothy is a pastor, he's a young pastor. Paul's saying, these things I've poured into you from the revelation that God gave me, I want you to pour them into faithful men. Right? So it says here, who shall be able to teach others also? That's one of the dynamics of a church. So I'm pouring into you so that you can go be and, or go make disciples and pour into others. That's how the body of Christ increases, right? So let's keep going with this. It says here, verse 3, You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we are to, it's talking about being a soldier. I'm to endure hardness as a good soldier. This word hardness literally means, it means hardship. It means afflictions, which means pressure. It means trouble that comes from the enemy at your life. You're to endure it as a good soldier. And then it says here, it's going to kind of explain this. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life. So in other words, if you're going to make a choice to entangle yourself with the affairs of this life, it will be impossible for you to endure hardness as a good soldier. Right? So literally, the Bible talks about sanctification. What that is, is that means that God has literally, when you made Jesus your Lord, He's literally sets you apart into the kingdom of God for his use to be light in this world. And you're not to look like the world. You're to love the people in the world, right? You're to be with them. Now, they're not to be in your close circle where you're, you're learning from them and all that stuff because if you do that, then all of a sudden, their beliefs will become your beliefs because you're hearing what they're hearing. Pretty soon you'll start talking like somebody who doesn't know God. Pretty soon you'll start acting like somebody that knows God, doesn't know God. And then pretty soon you'll start getting the same results. Right? 
So, you know, you know the, the reason why we're teaching on this, do you know how many people in church walk around talking about, yeah, I prayed for this person, I'll pray for you, I'll do this, I'll do that in prayer, and yet they never pray. Why do they never pray? Can we be real? It's because they don't know how to pray effectively. Our joy is full. Jesus said, listen, you ask the Father in my name and he'll do it for you so that your joy will be full. But people's joy isn't full. What people are full of is themselves because they're trying to figure it out. So this is why we want to teach on this to equip us. Because does that mean they're a bad Christian? No. They just need to grow up. Well, you can't grow without the word, right? That's why as a pastor, man, I'd love to just feed you dessert every week. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I would not want to do that. You know, sometimes you just have to, you just, you just have to always speak truth, the truth of God in the love of God so that it's palatable to people. Because if there's one thing about God, he'll never beat you up. It does, I mean, I've been in my life where I've been blowing it. And man, when, when I came to myself, he never once ever got down on me. He's just like, forget that, let's go. I got, a, I, got, I got something for you to do, and it's powerful. Well, does that mean he let me off the hook? Yeah. He let me off the hook. Jesus completely let me off the hook. He paid it all 2,000 years ago so that I could have life. So let's keep going with this. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So he's talking about a soldier. If you want, if you literally want to endure the trials of life, the pressures of life, all this stuff, you can't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Now he's going to switch over here, and in verse 5, he's going to talk about an athlete. He's going to liken it to an athlete. It says, and if a man also strive for masteries, this Greek word masteries is always used in relation to an athlete training. Also, if a man also, or if, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. In the literal Greek, it would read like this. And if a man also strives for masteries, Yet he is not crowned except he competes according to the rules. This race that you are on, you must compete by the rules, right? And that's why we're talking about praying by the rules, because you can't win if you're not praying by the rules, if you're not playing by the rules. Does that make sense? It, it's as, as easy as it is to comprehend in, a, in an athletic competition, it's the same thing in our spiritual walk. We need to compete according to the rules. So in relation to prayer, this is why we're teaching this, praying by the rules. So there's four categories that make up a believer's prayer life. Now remember, there's nine different types of prayer broken up into four different categories, okay? 
I'll list the first one. They're not in any particular order. The first one would be supplication. So the first of the four categories is supplication, right? The second one, you could just list it as prayers. And literally six of the nine are in that second one. We have different prayers. We'll go through them. You know, prayer of faith, prayer of agreement, prayer of commitment, prayer of consecration and dedication. You know, we can just go through and list them. So the first, the first category is supplication. The second category is prayers. So then as we go, the third category would be intercession. And we're going to talk a lot about there's a big mix-up between supplication and intercession. And the reason why we mix these things up it's because they're so, they work exactly the same. They, they're so similar, but you really have to dig. But when you dig, you see, you see the difference. And, and by the end of this series, you're going you're gonna to know the difference very clearly. The fourth category I would, I would call praying, I would, I, just to simplify it, I would call praying with tongues or praying in tongues. Okay, so let's talk about these four categories just real quick, and then we're going to go into the, all the nine. Now, we won't get into all the nine tonight. We might not even get into the first one tonight. As a matter of fact, we probably won't, but we're going to talk a little bit about them just to get you going. Supplication. So that's one of the nine different types of prayer, and it's the first category. This definition, it literally means to make request in binding oneself to another. Another definition of supplication would be to help yourself or someone else lay hold of God's plan for their life or lay hold of God's plan and promises for their life. Supplication. This prayer, it always comes from the depth of a believer's spirit. It always comes from a position of strength in spirit. The second category, prayers. Like I said, this, is, this category is made up of different types of prayers that each have certain principles, they have certain rules, and they have certain spiritual laws that govern them. The prayer of faith, the prayer of agreement, that's the second one. United prayer is the third one. A prayer of praise and worship is the fourth one. A prayer of of commitment is a fifth one. A prayer of consecration and dedication is the sixth one. They all have different principles, they have different laws, and they have there are different spiritual rules or spiritual laws that govern them. There are different rules. And you need to know. Because, you know, what happened, the denomination that I grew up in taught me to teach that prayer, every prayer, you have to end every prayer if it be thy will. Lord, I need healing. Heal me if it be your will. According to scripture, God doesn't hear that prayer. Because that's the, see, if you need healing, that's the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith receives something. The prayer of faith needs to know the will of God before you pray. The prayer of consecration and dedication is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's any way that I could redeem man without going to the cross and being separated from you and having sin put on me and, and literally 
being separated from you, literally spiritual death. If there's any way that I could redeem man without doing that, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Right? That's what that means. At times, the Holy Spirit will prompt you to pray that prayer. Jesus was prompted to pray that prayer as literally one of the most, well, probably the most intense moment of his life right before he went to the cross. The Bible said he was sweating blood. That meant the blood vessels underneath his skin literally burst. He was under so much stress. Angels came and ministered to him, I believe because he walked at that time in the garden in the full revelation of what it was going to mean to be made to be sin so that we could be made righteous. But, but you know what? When he came out of that garden, when he came up from prayer, he wasn't sweating blood anymore. He was full of faith. He was full of the Spirit. He was full of faith. See, when you have an effective prayer life, it will energize your life. It'll strengthen you like nothing you could even imagine. So you have these prayers. They're so important. The third leg would be tongues or praying with your prayer language. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are given a prayer language. And we're going to look at that. So actually, let's look at it just real quick. Go to 1 Corinthians 4, 14, or I'm sorry, 14, 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Speaking in tongues is not always prayer. The Holy Spirit can speak through a believer in a known tongue. Okay? But let's look at, let's look at real briefly this week, let's look at what it looks like. And if you could pull that up on the screen, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, For if I pray in an, in it, in an unknown tongue, if you have a King James Bible, the word unknown is in italics because it's not in the original manuscripts. They added it to bring clarity to the text and it brings great clarity to a text because it's talking about a tongue that's unknown. You, you, you can't hear it and know it. If somebody started speaking in Mandarin right now, that would be an unknown tongue to me because I don't know Mandarin, right? So it says here, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. So when you speak in tongues, your spirit prays. The Amplified Bible brings out the Greek very literally. It would read, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. In other words, the Holy Spirit will give my spirit the utterance and then my spirit man communicates that and I speak it. Whenever you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the enemy will sit on your shoulder and say, oh, there's nothing to that. It's not real. It's you. Just like he always does, that's a partial truth. It is you. It sounds like you because it is you. The Holy Spirit gave your spirit the utterance. The Holy Spirit doesn't pray in tongues. You do, right? So this is, this is tongues in a private setting. The Holy Spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. 
In other words, my mind is not involved when I pray in tongues. That's super cool because you could just be doing other things. I mean, I'm pray, I pray in tongues all the time. I could be reading the word and I'm praying in tongues at the same time. Try to read and, pr- and speak in English. You can't do it. Y- your mind works a certain way, right? If you ever want to stop thinking about one thing, you start thinking about something else. When my mom departed and went to heaven in May, man, sometimes I'll think about her and I'll just start getting sad. And I know how to deal with that. Why am I sad? Because I'm thinking about me. I miss her. But then I start thinking about her. And see, because I know the way my mind works. To start thinking about something else, all you got to do is stop thinking about what you're thinking, right? So all of a sudden, I could, I could start being, oh, I kind of feel sad because, gosh, I can't see my mom. You know, we're going to California. It hit me the other day. I was all excited. I'm like, man, I'm looking forward to seeing my mom. Ooh, wait, no, she's not in California. She's way north, right? And she's happy and she's excited. Right now, she's, she's literally going, preach it, Tony. Man, preach it. You have no idea how good it is up here, right? So I stopped thinking about her not being here. I start thinking about her being up there and it changes everything. But with tongues... Your mind is not, it's not involved. You're praying right to your spirit. And what are you praying? Well, you're praying what the Holy Spirit is giving you, which is perfect. See, we don't know how to pray all the time, but he knows how to pray all the time. Right? So that's, this is the private side, the private side of tongues. It's, it's the private use of tongues in the life of a believer. But then if you go to verse 27 and verse 28 of the same chapter, it says, now this would be in a public setting. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, now we know from study, now he's not talking about just your prayer language that you receive when you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now he's talking about the gift of tongues, and he's also mentioning the interpretation of tongues, which is another gift. Those are given severally as the Holy Spirit wills. They might operate once and never operate again. They might operate at different times. But Paul is telling the church at Corinth, they were completely out of control with the gifts. It was so ridiculous there, and he never got down on them for it. He just said, guys, just mellow out, do it this way. He says, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three. And then it says, and that by course, and let one interpret. Verse 28, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, see, if somebody blasted out in our service tonight in tongues, Right? All of a sudden they start praying in tongues, or there's a gift of tongues, but there's no interpreter. That wouldn't bless any of us because we wouldn't know what it says. But oh, if an interpretation comes, and that's what Paul is saying. If, you, if, if tongues are flowing, let it be two, maybe at the most three. You know, Paul probably said that, you know, give the pastor a break, let him preach the rest of his sermon, right? 
but also let, let one interpret, because we got to have an interpreter. So if you look at the gifts, spiritual gifts, these vocal gifts, you've got the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, right? And then you also have prophecy. Prophecy is inspired utterance in a known tongue. It's known by us. English would be an example, where you prophesy. Tongues and interpretation would be the equivalent of prophecy. In order to be equivalent, you'd need tongues and interpretation because you'd have to know what was being said. Does that make sense? That's all it's saying here. So that's the, that's the private and public side of tongues. Now, if you'll notice, this is its own category. In other words, if you're like, well, I just don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so at best now, you're going to operate on 75%. And it's like, could you imagine having a table in your house that's supposed to have four legs and it only has three legs? Would you go to a restaurant and you walk in and the, wait, the, the server brings you over and says, oh, we've got a nice table for you over here. Now, be careful because it's only got three out of the four legs. That's how foolish, but see... In America, we think that this Bible thing is optional. But it's not. You get born again. You get water baptized, not optional. Yeah, but I was sprinkled as a baby. Okay, great. So you need to get baptized. Sprinkled as a baby, don't throw that out. That's great. That's when your parents dedicated you to the Lord. But you can't be baptized until you're born again. Because baptism shows what happens to you when you're born again. And a baby, they're alive to God already. So you got to be baptized and then receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. Yeah, but I just, you know, I've, I've asked and he's just never given it to me. Well, he already gave it. It's a matter of you receiving it. So how do you receive it? You receive it by faith. Yeah, but I just, you know, that Holy Spirit stuff is a little weird. Well, let me, let me be honest with you. The whole, I've been in some weird, charismatic, Pentecostal, crazy, you know, people going boldly where God has never gone before. But there's one person in those services that's not weird, and it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he's not weird. Right? Now, he might get you out of your comfort zone, but he's not weird at all, at all. So that's, that's a whole category. The last category is intercession. This is a prayer for others. This is, this is a prayer where you are standing in a gap for someone else. An intercessor is one who takes the place of another. One who stands in the gap for another. One who pleads another's case. This, the prayer of intercession is prayed for unbelievers because they have no way to come to God on their own. It's not prayed for a believer because you and I can come to God on our own. And so we need to really get in the word of God and look at scripture so that it's very clear because we get these two mixed up. Just like the way people get their prayer language mixed up with the gift of tongues. Two different things. 
So, those are the four categories. So now we have four categories that you're going to live in in your prayer life, right? Nine different types of prayer within the four categories. One type of prayer in three of them and six in the other one, okay? You'll flow through those categories. And you're like, man, pastor, this is a lot. We're teaching about the principles and mechanics will, will come. But now, all of these four categories, which include nine different types or manners of prayer, are all founded on, on one foundation. Actually, it's two parts that make up one foundation. Okay? So go to John chapter 16, verse 23. The first foundation Jesus established for our day. John 16, 23, if you're taking notes, it goes through 23 and 24. It says, and in that day, which is the day after the resurrection of Jesus or the beginning of the church age, you shall ask, this Greek word means you shall question me about nothing. Literally, Jesus is saying, after I'm resurrected in that day, you're going to ask me no more questions. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. And you know, we've talked about this a million times. It's the Greek, this Greek word ask is aito, A-I-T-O. It means to call for, make a demand for, or require. In that day, you're going to ask me nothing, but now it goes, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto, that means up till now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. In other words, the first foundation, the first part of this foundation, that your whole prayer life in, in all categories, all manners of prayer, is you have to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Okay? The second part, let, let's, well, actually, why do you think that is? Let me answer that question for you. The reason why they, that is, is Jesus came to reveal the Father. That's why he came. So now he's saying, hey, I'm here. I revealed the Father. He's no longer just Jehovah God, the Lord God Almighty. No, no, he's your Father. So now you go to him. You ask him in my name. That's why that's that way. The Bible says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Right? The second part of this foundation is found in Philippians 4.6. I know this is like eating vegetables, but I got to tell you, this is so very important that you understand this. It, it, I, I, can't, I can't stress to you the importance of the time that we are living in. You know, we are living in the most glorious days of the church age right now. Could be the craziest that we've ever seen on the earth before we get out of here. Believe me, you're going to want to know how to commune with God. It's so very important. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys, there's so much hunger in here tonight. 
But man, you gotta, you gotta get on a computer, get on your phone, get the CD, pause it, outline this, because the majority of Christians that you know do not know any of this. Right? And, and we need to. This is, this is kindergarten. Right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. That means don't be anxious, don't be annoyed in spirit, don't allow anything to draw you in different directions, right? Don't let anything distract you. This word careful literally means an anxious thought, which is what? It's worry. In other words, the Bible is saying don't worry about anything. Now this is a foundation of your prayer life. Notice, you are in control of that. You can actually make a decision. I'm not going to worry about that. Isn't that cool? Yeah, but pastor, you just don't know. I mean, I've got these feelings. Yeah, that's, um, absolutely. You tell your feelings what to do. You're a child of God. You have authority. You tell fear to leave. You tell your body what you're going to do. Right? Be careful for nothing, but in everything. What are we to pray about? everything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving why thanksgiving because you know when you pray according to his will he hears you and if you know he hears you you know you have what you've asked him for let your requests be made known unto god and then it goes on the peace of god mounts guard over your heart and mind this is the second foundation Every prayer, in other words, is to be prayed in faith. So all of the four categories, the nine different types of prayer, are prayed on the foundation. I pray in faith to my Father in the name of Jesus. Simple? Absolutely. Whatever distracts your rest will block you from the blessings of God. Satan wants to distract you to get you out of rest. Bible rest is you've ceased from your own works and now you're just working out what he's working in. Right? If you're an athlete, then that means you've stopped trying to figure it out and you've submitted your life to the Lord, and you've allowed him to set your next goals, and now he's orchestrating your, your training. If you're, if you're a, a, an employee for a company, if you're in your career, if you're in your ministry, I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm literally resting in him, and I'm only working out what he's working in, knowing that he's God, he'll get me to that destination a lot faster than I ever would. Have you ever been off? Have you ever went off in a, a wrong way? Right? Man, go to Dallas. All of a sudden you hit, you're in a wrong lane and now you're on this freeway and before you know it, you're on four different freeways and you're like, where in the world am I at? Right? The children of Israel did that in the wilderness. Took them 40 years, what should have taken them 11 days. Satan's attacks are designed to keep you out of rest, to fill you with the cares of this world, which will literally bring stress into your life, and, and your body 
and your, your everything is, is not built for stress. We are to be stress-free. To pray effectively, you must take care of this thing that we call worry. And see, this is what's so hard for Christians. Because God is not the center of our life, it's a peripheral of our life, we never really grow to where we really trust him. And, and because we don't trust him, we're worried. Because what if it doesn't work out? I've got 400 friends that died that were believing God, so-called. No, you, you didn't. You don't have 400 friends that were believing God and died. They might have started out believing God, because nobody gets in faith and stays in faith that does not receive the answer. Right? Everybody, everybody who dies prematurely, this is the first thing. Man, Jesus is standing before them, and they're just like, oh, Lord, it's so good to see you. Wow, that would have been really easy for me to lay hold of that. Right? And he looks and smiles at him and goes, listen, come on. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, i got a future for you. Don't beat yourself up for that. Do you think he beats you up for missing it in heaven? No. Doesn't. But let's not miss it. We don't have to. Let's put him first, right? Many are focused on their problems when they're praying. That is not how you pray effectively. You have to take... So tonight, I might be... Just remember, you love your pastor... When you go to prayer, you have to pray in faith, which means no worry, and you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. These are the two, this is your foundation, and I flow in this. I'm always flowing in this in the four categories of the nine different types of prayer. Only one person can carry your problems. It's either going to be you or it'll be God he won't carry him with you. If you're carrying him, he'll keep prompting you, hey, why don't you give that to me? But until you give it to him, he, he can't do it because he'd have to violate your will, right? So pastor, man, that's good preaching. Thank you so much. I don't have to worry anymore. Do you know God's just? He would never tell you to do something you couldn't do. Isn't that amazing? And he put the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to help you live worry-free. Do you know depression, anxiety, fear, panic attacks all go away when you're not worried about anything? It all goes away. Every prayer is to be prayed in faith, even though every prayer is not a prayer of faith. Remember, a prayer of, the prayer of faith is one of the nine. But every prayer is to be prayed in faith. So let's now, let's break all this down and let's talk about, I, I mentioned it last year in the last session that I was with you guys. And I mentioned five steps to answered prayer. Remember at the end of the service, I just gave them to you real quick and then we left. So let's talk a little more about this. I would write these down. Step number one to answered prayer. It's impossible for you to do these five steps and not get your answer. Impossible. 
Step number one is you must know that it is God's will for what you are praying. You have to know God's will. So when you get in a situation, the first thing you do is not pray. The first thing you do is find out what the word says about your situation. And I would encourage you to get two to three scriptures. And you're in a church family, so you'll have believers around you. You've got a pastoral staff. If you can't find two to three scriptures, we'll help you do that. Because you got to, step number one, you must know that it's God's will for what you are praying about. John 15, 7 is a great scripture along this line. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that I have in him. If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if I know that he's heard me, or if I know he hears me, I know that I have the petitions I've asked him for. If I know I'm praying his will, I already know I have it. Well, that's great news, isn't it? Know what you desire from God and get scriptures that promise you that he said he gave you what you're desiring. Meditate on these scriptures and get them firmly in your heart. In other words, meditate on them so the Holy Spirit can bring revelation knowledge to your heart because it's not enough to have the word in your head. You've got to have it in your heart. And then you use these scriptures against the enemy when he comes. Not if he comes. He will come. Right? But he's defeated. And he, he, it, it gets fun watching him flee from the word. So that's step number one. Step number two, you must know that God hears you when you pray. You, you have to know that when I'm praying, his ear is open to me. Not because I was a good person, not because I did something really good today. Nope, I'm his child. I'm, his, I'm a born-again child of God. I know whenever I pray, he hears me. Now, what's the disclaimer? Well, I got to pray according to his will, right? I love the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. I'll read verse 41 through verse 45. John eleven forty one. 41. Then they took away the stone from that place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you had heard me or have heard me. And I knew that you hear, and I know that you hear me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. And many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. In other words, Jesus always knew the Father heard him. Isn't that awesome? Step number three, you must know that God immediately answers you when you pray. You got to know his will, right? You got to know he hears you. 
and you have to know he immediately answers you. Psalm 34, I'm just going to read some scripture to you. Psalm 34, 15 says this, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17, The righteous cries, or the righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Psalm 91, 15, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Isaiah 30, 19, for the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious unto you at the voice of your cry when he shall hear it shall answer you. Isaiah 65, 24, and it, I'm sorry, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Do you know that God doesn't change? This is what he's doing right now. 2 Peter 1.3 is a good one. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called you to glory and virtue. So now you've, you know his will, you know he hears you. You know he immediately answers you. Now these are steps, right? So here I am. So I got this deal in my life. I know his will. Right? I know he hears me. I know he immediately answers me. Step number four. Believe that you receive when you pray. Believe that you receive when you pray. See, a lot of people are trying to skip steps. Let every thought and desire affirm that you have what you've asked him for. If there's any thoughts that are telling you different, you take those captive with the word of God. That's not God. Mark eleven twenty four 24, right? Faith to receive. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Amen. Don't allow a mental picture of failure to be in your mind. How do you do that? You meditate constantly on the promises upon which you based your prayer on. That's why you have to have the scriptures. Notice when Satan came to Jesus to tempt him, what were the first three words out of his mouth every time? It is written. Satan doesn't care what you say. But he'll flee if you say what God says. Right? What this will do when you meditate on these promises, it'll produce a picture in your mind about you having what you prayed for. See, it'll create an imagination. It, it, it gets in your imagination. It's the way God worked it out. It's already down on the inside of you. Now it's renewing your mind. You're actually seeing yourself having what you've asked him for. You'll see yourself with the answer. Then what you do is you make plans accordingly as if you already had what you've asked him for. Have you ever been believing God for something? 
especially in the realm of like any kind of physical ailment. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, but your whole life is planned around the fact that you can't do something. So see, what you do here, you make plans accordingly. How do you make plans accordingly as if you had what you asked him for? The Holy Spirit will totally lead you into what to do. Sometimes he might tell you just rest today, but you're not resting because you're not healed. You're resting because God told you to rest. Other times he's going to be saying, hey, sick, well people should be up today, and you get up and your head's about to explode, and you're not feeling very good, and you're walking around, Father, I thank you that it's written, it's written, it's written, I'm healed. And pretty soon by noon you're like, wow, it left. He'll lead you and guide you into all the truth. Never allow doubt to convince you that you don't have what you've already believed that you've received from God. You take every thought captive. James 4, 7 is the big one, right? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. We like to quote it like this, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But that's not what it says. Because if you try to resist the devil without being submitted to God, he'll laugh at you. Right? So we submit ourselves to God. I'm submitted to his word. If his word says I'm healed, then I'm healed. Whether I feel healed, whether it looks like I'm healed, doesn't matter what anybody says. Nope. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. The God of heaven says I'm healed. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. And symptoms and circumstances, you've got to come in line. And you've got patience that will undergird your mind. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you. All of heaven will be behind you. Fellow believers that are in your, in, your, in your life will help you. God will orchestrate all that. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Notice he can't devour anybody, just anybody. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Take thoughts captive that come into your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5 lays this out exactly. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and, the, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So every thought, it has to come in line with what the Word says or I'm going to take the Word, those scriptures that I grabbed when I first prayed, when I was at the first step, and I'm going to say, it is written, this is, what I'm gonna, this is what I think, this is what I believe, and everything else doesn't fit in my life. And if I've got people in my life that think I'm crazy, great, you're in my outer circle. Right? I remember when Mark Hankins and Trina Hankins, they were telling a story when Trina was diagnosed with cancer and she was dying of cancer. They had a, they had a lady in their church that would stand outside of her, her hospital room and she had a clipboard and it had the names of the people that were allowed in there. And there were family members that were not on that clipboard 
And nobody was getting past this lady. Because you can't have doubt and unbelief spoken. Amen. Right? You surround yourself with faith. You surround yourself with that. Don't worry about those people that get offended. When you come off that bed, you'll have the rest of your life to get them to work it out, right? Stay away from people, places, and things that do not affirm what you believe. I'm telling you, you come to this church, there are messages that will fill you with faith. But you got to be careful because you could go on the internet, on Christian TV, you could even go to some churches and you could hear messages that will suck the faith out of you. You have to be careful. In all your waking moments, think on the greatness and goodness of God. So the last one, step number five. Speak as a result of what you believe. How do you do that? You take your medicine regularly. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, right? I attend to God's word. I put it first. I give it my undivided attention. I always keep it before my eyes. I keep his word in the midst of my heart because it's life to me and it's health to all my flesh. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering because I know he's faithful that promised me. See, the first thing that people do when they lose a battle is they give up their confession. Don't give up your confession. You keep the power active by your words spoken in connection to what you believe from God's word. Make every prayer relative to what you've asked a statement of faith instead of unbelief, right? So now, every time a wrong thought hits me, Father, I thank you. If it, I, I remember going through, going through some stuff physically when I'm in pain. When a pain would hit, I'm like, Father, I thank you so much that with the same power that you rose Jesus from the dead with, the Holy Spirit is inside me and he's quickening my mortal body. He's healing me. He's restoring my body to health. Every time, just every time, it's not, oh Lord, I hope this works out. No, it's I'm convinced. The word will keep you strong. Ask God once, and in further prayer, you just simply remind him of his word. You thank him for what he's done for you because you've already believed you've received it. I love this. I think I got this from Brother Hagen. Thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words leads the heart out of defeat and into victory. Right? So five things that you got to know, these five steps. You got to know that it's God's will for what you're praying for. Right? You have to know that he hears you when you pray. You have to know that he immediately answers you, right? You have to know that when you ask God, you believe that you receive what you've desired when you pray. And then the fifth thing is you got to speak as a result of what you believe. So these are the different types of prayer, how it kind of works. Next week, we're going to talk about the prayer of faith. So we're going to get into the first of the nine. Some of them, I might be able to do more than one at one time. 
But I got to tell you, when I get to intercession and supplication, we might spend a little time on those because I want you to have a very clear understanding. God, God wants you to lay hold of everything that he has for you this year. Don't let another year go by. God doesn't want you downtrodden. He doesn't want you having another year. And, you're, and if, when you blink, it's going to be December. It goes that fast. So make this a lifestyle. God is irresistible. He'll help you. Amen?